Well, hey everyone, this is Athena and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll answer publishing questions from our listeners. So hey, Let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I want to introduce you to one of our most recent Redemption Press authors, Danielle Ripley Burgess, to kickstart our time together today discussing her memoir, Blush how I barely survived 17. And then during the second half of the show, I'll introduce you to Redemption Press author Vicki Burns as we discuss her book, Priceless. But before we jump into my conversation with Danielle, let me give her a proper introduction. Danielle Ripley Burgess is a two-time colon cancer survivor, first diagnosed at age 17 and an award-winning communications professional. She writes and speaks to encourage those facing trials under a motto of faith that survives. She's the author of Blush, How I Barely Survived 17, and Unexpected 25 Advent Devotionals. Her story has been told around the world through outlets like the Today Show, BBC's World, Have Your Say, Sirius Radio's Dr. Radio, the Chicago Tribune, Huffington Post, among others. Home is in Kansas City with her husband, Mike, and daughter, May. When she's not writing, she can be found baking her favorite chocolate chip cookie recipe. It's a good one. Follow her blog on DanielleRipleyBurgess.com or connect on social media at B. All right. Well, here we are with an author that, although we have never met in person, she is, I feel like I've known her forever because her her book is just so endearing to me and so, so resonated with me. So Danielle Ripley Burgess, first of all, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you. And here. Absolutely. Let me just tell you all listening, uh, buckle up because this is just such an incredible story of a Romans 828 God. I just, uh, I just can't tell you how delighted I am, Danielle, to have you here on the show and just to be able to have this conversation, which will so encourage the people that are listening in today. So normally I will ask, you know, share with us a Romans 8.28 story from your life. We've all got lots of them, but because your memoir is just one big, amazing Romans 8.28 story, we're just going to jump right in to talking about your book because it 
is just, wow, I'm almost without words. And that is not normal <laughs> for me. <laughs> oh, so let's start with, um, can you share the process of being diagnosed, what treatment was like, and how you survived such a traumatic mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual battle at such a young age? Yeah. So blush is, a lot of people will say blush my memoir is about cancer. You know, it's about me having colon cancer as a teenager. And then when I was 25, but a lot of times I say, yes, the book is about a cancer survivor, but I started with stories from when I was a little girl and when I was in fourth grade, because I think even more than it being a story about cancer, it's a story about being a woman, being female and knowing yourself and loving yourself and who God made you. And so I feel like it's important to understand what I felt and what I was going through when I was younger that led into not saying anything that led into why I hid symptoms like blood in the stool for so long that when I say I got busted when my symptoms were finally found out you know my parents found out when I was a junior in high school that I'd been hiding symptoms for years and I was rushed to a doctor and into a colonoscopy. And then all of a sudden I'm in this medical world of chemo and surgery and radiation. You know, that, that was so traumatic, but really being insecure about who I was is what led into that. And not understanding how when we go through hard times, we don't have to hide ourselves or what's going on. You know, that's not the way. So. I wanted to write about that. I wanted to write a story um, to not just inspire cancer survivors. If I would have just told a cancer story, that probably would have resonated with them. But hopefully this will resonate with anybody who's either been a, a little girl or is raising a little girl to have a window into, um, yeah, what, it, what we go through as women and what our girls need to, to go into adulthood with strength. And I love that developing the backstory of, you know, what, why you would have felt like you couldn't talk about it and why you would just go into denial or, you know, I mean, all of those yeah. things, it really, it, it helped it all make sense. Mm -hmm. And so that was power. That was a powerful piece of it. Yeah. I, I've asked a lot, you know, how could you not say anything uh, about symptoms for so long? And and I had to ask myself that question. And I think the answers to that question came out at the first few chapters of the book. And it, since it's since a few people started reading it, I've gotten texts almost daily from a lot of men saying, I had no idea what females go through. Like, it sounds really hard <laughs> to, to go through puberty as a girl. You know, these boys have no idea. And I'm like, yeah, it is hard. Like, thank you for your text because I hope that you will see the young women you're around a little differently with more compassion. So yeah, that definitely was, was part of my goal and, and helping make this story relatable. I think a lot of people will see, oh gosh, she had cancer when she was 17, colon cancer, and she had it again. And I can't relate to that. You know, nothing like that happened to me when I was her age. 
And so while the circumstances of my story, you know, my trauma are different, I think a lot of people can relate to trauma in general, but then also for, for ladies feeling so insecure about yourself that um, that's why I wanted to really dive in deep to that part. So the process of you being diagnosed, that came at age 17. Mm -hmm. Although you had symptoms. Junior for, high. Yeah. So for a quite a long time. Yeah. And so tell us what, what was the treatment like and how, was there, was there anything specific that you can say really helped you to survive that kind of trauma? Uh, I think looking back, there's been a lot of things to help me survive. So treatment was different for my two cases. My first case was stage three colon cancer, which has been made very popular with the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman's passing, because that is what he had. And he was a young adult. So my first case was more severe and life-threatening. So I had surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation that lasted about six months at the time. My second case came about eight years after that. Out of nowhere, I was getting a routine scan, a colonoscopy. I felt fine. I felt healthy. And it turned out cancer had grown in between the times I was scanned. So the treatment for that was uh, surgery. Everything was removed with surgery. I didn't have to go through chemo or radiation again. So they've been pretty rigorous treatment protocols. And now I'm on a a path of just getting screened very routinely um, every year and staying on top of it. Cool. So what did you learn through both of those diagnoses? Well, there's so much out of my control. <laughs> you know, I think I learned, I think I learned a lot of different life lessons along the way and I still continue to as I reflect on my story and I tell my story but if I step back and look out man what has cancer taught me I've lived with cancer now for more of my life than I've lived without it so the majority of my life has been under some kind of cancer cloud and I'm not 40 yet <laughs> so I think if it's taught me anything it's you know, at, at some point we just have to surrender our plans to the Lord. And there's certain things you can't control in life, but most things you can't. And the quicker you are to get to a place of surrender, the more peace you will find mm -hmm. despite anything, you know, cancer, COVID trauma. Um, it's unfortunate. We don't like this stuff, but if we work through it and kind of open our hands and have faith that the Lord can use it despite the bad, not ignoring the bad, but pressing into the bad and going through it, he really can use it in some beautiful ways. And that's that Romans 8.28 aspect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something as horrible as a cancer diagnosis and just all that was entailed, how God could use that to just, I mean, just, the love story that there is just so many pieces of your life that it was like, wow, look how God worked. And yeah, 
Yeah, you know, I think it was unfortunate for cancer to come at age 17 in many ways. And there's still losses that that has brought that I'm still working through almost 20 years later. But I also really can't look at a day of my life these days and say this would be the same had I not had cancer. You know, I married my boyfriend at the time who was a caregiver who relationships like that are unheard of you know high school sweethearts don't always stay together much less high school sweethearts who've been through cancer (laughs) but you know we've been married 15 years and my daughter I don't know that her path to us would have been the same if not for cancer and what what I do for work and what I wrote about I mean nothing would be the same yeah so sometimes that's brings sadness when it looks at, okay, what wouldn't be the same, but in more ways than the sadness, there's a lot of joy because things wouldn't be the same without it. Mm, Amen. So you delve into a lot of hard topics, puberty, body shame, cancer, your parents' divorce, infertility, racial tension, crisis of faith. Did you find it difficult to be so open in your book? Yes, I did. <laughs> I love that you were. I love, I, I love that part of your book. You're so transparent. You're so authentic. But go ahead. You can answer the question. <laughs> no, it was hard. I, I don't want to mislead readers to read the book and think, my, she was so honest and this is emotional. And that, you know, that maybe that just comes easy to her. It, it actually wasn't. And I've, I sat down to really focus on and intentionally write this book four or five years ago. I've been jotting down notes probably since the day I was diagnosed just as a way to remember it. It was in the back of my head. I could write about this one day, but you know, actually sitting down and saying, I feel called to write a book. I'm going to do this. It's been a five-year process. And part of why it's been a five-year process for me is that in many ways, this book was therapy and healing. And so there's more content that was cut from this book than made the book. And it's not a small book. It's like 350 pages. Right. But I think that part of this was getting honest with my story and how I felt and then going back into those drafts and then choosing to keep what would edify my readers. And a lot of that did need to be the hard stuff, these hard topics that are not always easy to open up about. But I just know that even now, I appreciate books where people are authentic and vulnerable and real. And I wanted to be that for people um, who are gonna be facing some of those same things. Well, and especially when you're talking about topics that even in the church, most women are not, don't feel like they can say, I'm struggling with body shame. I'm struggling with, you know, uh, eating disorder. I'm struggling, you know, because so often you get the, well, you need to pray more and you're, you know, you, you don't have enough faith or what things that really aren't helpful. So when you talk openly about the struggles, it resonates with the reader because they're like, oh, 
I can, you mean I can be a Christian and I can actually admit that I'm struggling? Right. Yeah. Right. And definitely, I mean, I was brought up in the church, so this is the backdrop of my whole life. Um, you know, purity and taking care of your body and being Christ-like and identity in Christ, all of this stuff. And I stand by it. I mean, I stand by the truth that I was taught, but I think that in the church, we can do a better job of showing the mess of our lives, not just the aspirations of our lives. I say in the book, toward the end, I talk about the profound impact that Alcoholics Anonymous had on me, not because I'm an alcoholic, but I was invited to um, the program to, to one night through a family member's journey, and I didn't leave that AA hall the same because people connected through through their brokenness in a way I hadn't seen in the church. They identified as an alcoholic and then they could go through the steps and be healed and and so that was such a pivotal part of my story even finishing the book and putting this out there where I want to be somebody who's quick to say I'm broken I've, I've been broken in these ways yes I love Jesus but I've been broken and if you've been broken too welcome to the club and let's walk through this together well and I think that's what we can relate to. I mean, we can talk about and write about all these mountaintop experiences and, you know, but it's, uh, and how things are going so well, but it's when things are not going well, that's where people connect with us. I don't know why we just yeah. do. We just connect over the brokenness way more than over our victories. Yeah, absolutely. So, you are passionate about faith that survives. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, this was something that came to me a few years ago to help guide my message and my writing because I wanted it to end on a hopeful message. I didn't want it to end on something scary um, like cancer. And I also realized that a lot of people who are sick are finding community in what I write and putting my story out there. But the reality of a community that's formed around sickness is that some of us are going to live longer than others. And while that's true of humanity, you know, we will all face death one day. When you form community around a disease, you're faced with quite a bit of, of death. You're faced with hardship and exciting news and terrifying news. And so Faith That Survives came to me to say, you know, I think what I want to do in my writing is to say that no matter, no matter what happens with our bodies, if our bodies break, or no matter what happens in our relationships, if they fail, or if things just fall to pieces, and that doesn't survive, our faith can survive you know, and particularly for the sick people. So, you know, even if you get bad news from the doctor, we're going to pray for healing and we're going to pray that their cure, a cure comes that even if it doesn't, like it's possible for your faith to survive if you're incurable. And that's a hard message. It's a really hard mantle to carry as a writer. I stand in holy fear that God gave me that one but it's the truth. And I say this as somebody who's very aware that life is short, who 
I go from scan to scan knowing if I'm in remission or not. I have a genetic disease that predisposes me to cancer. And while I'm doing everything I can to fight it off, I'm very aware it could be back at any day. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's my message is, you know, my faith is surviving. My body might not survive one day, but my faith will. And helping other people get there too. Well, and that's just so important because without faith, it's pretty hopeless. Yeah. So for you to be able to be an example of someone who can say that, even if not, even if you don't heal me, Lord, I'm going to rejoice anyway, because you're going to walk with me through it. Yeah. And I say, I always say it's, it's a holy fear to say that because I know getting there's not easy. You know, I've walked with several, even now I'm walking through a recurrence with somebody who's very dear to me and she's not there yet. And so I don't say that as this is something that you think the day you're given the worst news of your life. You know, this, this isn't necessarily where you're going to be in those first moments. Right. But I say it as somebody that says, Hey, work through it, like get through it, get angry, grieve, cry, mourn, but keep fighting because this is where you can get. And so my hope is to be kind of a coach through those steps. And that's good. That's, it's such, it's so emotionally healthy to do that, but it's scary Uh, at the same time to realize that you have to embrace that pain and everything that comes with it and the unknown and all of that. It's, it's definitely not, I mean, and that's, you know, so often in the church, people kind of like the glib, Oh, just, you know, it's under the blood and you're a new creation and it's good to be, we're good to, you can't, you're not allowed to mourn. You're not allowed to lament. You're not allowed to get mad at God. You know, we, yeah. we need to be able to process our feelings just like David did. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So what do you hope blush will accomplish? Several things. I, I want, I think I mentioned this earlier, but just, I really hope to help the new generation of young females coming into adulthood to have people who empathize with them to, for them to feel seen, to heard, you know, oh gosh, somebody else knows what this is like. So that's a big goal. Obviously to raise colon cancer awareness is, is a big goal. Um, just cause it's a, it's, it's actually a very popular cancer. It's one of the top killers and it's happening to younger people. So I wanted to be one of those people that says, here's my story. And hopefully this will save a life of somebody else because I put this out there and then just, you know, I, I put at the very end of my book, the very last sentence in the acknowledgments is for the Lord, just thanking Jesus for the journey that was writing this book and everyone has their own experience with him, their own walk with him. And, and the woman at the well story is one of my favorites because not only did she meet him and have this powerful encounter, but she ran and told everyone her story 
And it says that they encountered Jesus for themselves because of her story. And so I hope and pray that some who pick this up, who've never prayed to him or really believe much might have some different thoughts after they read blush. Um, I hope that some people struggling with faith who are maybe angry can pray some genuine prayers again and people who already love him, love him more because of my story. Well, and that I was um, smitten with the way you told a story in such a, um, such an authentic way. It wasn't, you weren't preachy. You weren't, you didn't use a lot of Christianese. You, you know, you just like displayed what God did. You gave him credit and you pointed back to him, but it was in, I'm having a hard time articulating this, but it was in such, I'm, I'm like, man, I, I could see people who are really angry at God, people who are hurt by God, people who don't even know him, reading that and really having their eyes opened. Mm. And that just encouraged me. Thank you. Thanks. I spent, I spent a lot of years, well, I'm still currently really involved in the cancer community. And I have sat with a lot of people in such deep pain in their faith is crippled. And I, I didn't want I can't honor that situation well with a lot of uh, Christianese, like you say, you know, I, that wouldn't have helped me at the time and it's not helpful to them. Right. So while his footprints are infused throughout it, you can't deny his hands on it. I wanted it to be very relatable and unthreatening. And like I said, the Lord is such an inviter after our hearts. So he meets us where we are. So yeah. I hope people will receive him through that. Yes. Well, I, I can't wait to see what God does with because <laughs> I was just cheering you on as I read it. I'm like, woo, that's fun to watch. Thank you. Thanks. So as we're wrapping this up, I would just love for you to maybe share a few tips or tools that have helped you keep that perspective of, of God being a Romans 828 God. I just love to hear what, what helped you the most that, that you could pass on to some of our listeners today. Yeah. Well, I've, I have two things that came to mind. They're somewhat related. The first one is I'm a very uh, obvious person. Like things just need to be in front of me. So for example, I have had, our listeners can't see it because they're listening, but I've had a tiny little mustard seed in a little glass jar since I was 12 <laughs> from youth group and I keep it near me as a reminder and I'm a big believer in just obvious reminders you know sometimes I think we we think to hear God or know God we have to be in this really spiritual realm and it has to be quiet with music and while that's great you know sometimes that's definitely a way to connect with the Lord sometimes I think he's putting things just in front of our face <laughs> versus songs reminders and so the more intentional we can be to put those reminders in front of us the easier it is to remember when everything inside of us doesn't want to believe that anymore so just embrace really practical reminders 
And then this, the second one is a little even more out there, but this is truly, honestly, what has helped me is God will help remind me that he's around and he's near when certain colors pop up. And so, for example, in blush, I wrote most of blush in a red chair in my office. So I was sitting in a red chair. And as I was writing this book, I got several chapters in and realized the color red was like this theme being woven throughout because the red blood that I was scared to see when my symptoms started was getting redeemed by this red chair. And then as the book went on, like just certain things would happen where it was like, oh, okay, red. Okay. And so just very, just like the Holy Spirit is so creative and fun. I felt like there were little nods from the Holy Spirit to remind me of who God is and he would use certain colors. So that's just a personal tip. Uh, it's different for everybody, but that's some, that's one way he's brought me back to remembering Romans eight twenty eight. I love that. Oh, this has just been so good. So good. So I'm sure there are some women listening right now who would love to connect with you either online, social media, wherever, where's the best place to find you? To find me. So I'm Danielle is B everywhere on social media. So I have a Facebook page, Twitter account and Instagram, or my website also has a form uh, that emails me. So I'd love to chat. And that is Danielle Ripley Burgess.com. Awesome. And the book is available wherever you normally get books. And I highly, highly, highly recommend, I mean, I don't care if you've never known anyone and you've never had cancer, this, it will be such a blessing and it will help. I mean, it helped me have a better understanding of how other people who are navigating a cancer diagnosis. I mean, I've never known anyone that's had cancer and had to go through a diagnosis like that. So I feel totally inept to be able to, you know, minister to them in any significant way. And you just helped, it helped me just grasp some of those um, significant ways that, you know, you struggle when you go through that and how, how someone can just be there and yeah. love on you. Well, so that's thank you. Thank, You're welcome. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And thank you for just pouring your heart into the book and all the work that you do to encourage those who are dealing with that kind of diagnosis and even those who aren't your your life is a testimony that is a blessing to many and i'm sure god is just saying well done well done girl <laughs> Thanks. I'm like I'm, I, I hope he's also saying, now go take a nap. <laughs> Probably. So go grab a cookie and take a nap, girl. <laughs> You've gotten a lot accomplished and praise the Lord for that. So thank you so much for being with us today on the All Things Podcast. Daniel, it's been an absolute joy to have you on. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here with She Writes For Him. 
And we have another 21-day boot camp coming up in just a few weeks, October 7th, all online. We have another incredible, power-packed 21-day incredible experience for you to have if this sounds like something you need. From idea to manuscript blueprint in 21 days. At the end of 21 days, you will have a step-by-step plan to complete a draft of your manuscript, an outline that includes an overview synopsis, a table of contents with specific chapter detail, intro and first chapter draft, creative book elements, and much more. We've got all sorts of great bonuses uh, that are available to you for early signups. So if you will visit us at SheWritesForHimBootCamp.com, you can get all the details. And let me just read you a comment from one of our recent bootcamp graduates. Not only did She Writes For Him 21-Day Bootcamp leaders possess the knowledge and expertise I expected, they blew me away with their personal one-on-one approach. With the attention I received, I discovered why my message needs to be written, how it should be structured, and the courage to begin today. That was Shannon McGee. So we hope you'll join us starting October 7th. It's all online. Some of it's live, but everything's recorded so you can work it into your schedule. Plan to be with us in October for the next She Writes For Him 21-Day Boot Camp. Welcome back to the second half of the show. I am going to introduce to you Vicki Burns, and then we'll roll that conversation. Vicki Burns is passionate about connecting women by connecting their hearts. She teaches about genuine hospitality through her blogs, books, and speaking engagements. Vicki loves cooking, reading, writing, and speaking, but most of all, she loves her Lord. As an empty nest mother with her hands still in education and service in her community, Vicki understands the busyness of life and all the hats women wear. She has learned that our hats were never meant to be burdens. In fact, they are blessings and part of the abundant life we are called to live. Well, Vicki, it is so great to be able to have you on the podcast today. Welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. You betcha. So before we dive into um, a conversation about your book, Priceless, I would love to hear your, well, we've all got lots of Romans 828 <laughs> stories, so I don't want to make it sound like you have only one to share, but the one that you feel that the Lord would have you share um, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better and see how God has been that good God who works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose in your life. Well, let me tell you, I 
knew this question was coming and I had it all planned out, but Holy Spirit hit me over the head today, as a matter of fact, and he reminded me that of this very verse that he does work all things together. I woke up this morning, had a very heavy heart with several things, just anticipating frustration and confrontation at work and my schedules always overwhelming and and God was like just keep keep working keep pushing forward and I got to work and kind of had a little tiff with somebody at work and I was just really frustrated and God showed me in all of that and all of the frustration and the anticipation of confrontation that the, sometimes the very things that cause us frustration, he wants to turn into blessings. And um, I could go back time and time. It's that hindsight thing that you go back and you look and you go, oh, I see what you were doing. <laughs> sometimes he doesn't give us that. Sometimes it's this side of heaven. We don't see why we go through certain things, but I was able to have a very good conversation with that coworker and it drew us closer to one another. And she spoke some truth into me and I was able to speak some truth into her and, and God just brought us closer together because of it. And she helped alleviate some things on my schedule and my calendar that would not have been alleviated if it had turned into the confrontation that I thought. And so, um, I have been, I guess, convicted maybe of looking at Romans 8, 28 each evening <laughs> and saying, okay, Lord, this day was overwhelming. This day made me tired. This day was difficult, but I can see how you've worked these things together for good. And in this pandemic world, when things are so crazy, we have to do that every day because so many of us are looking at the calendar, waiting for 2020 to be over. But I really think when this year is over, we're going to look back and see how God worked all of these crazy things together for good. And it's going to be a blessing. Amen. And that's just, what a great example of, you know, the enemy would come in and make you feel dread and make you want to avoid a confrontation. Absolutely. Because God can use that time of coming together just like he actually did in this case. God can really use that when we do it in a healthy way and we do it in a loving way. Mm -hmm. But boy, the enemy wants to try and keep us silent and grumbling and frustrated. And, you know, he loves to stir that up. Yep, he does. And if he can push that button, he's going to push it. <laughs> yep. So that was good. What a great story. And very, I mean, in the moment, because I remember when you texted me this morning saying, I... I don't know what it's going to be like this afternoon because I'm having a really rough day. Well, he knew that this was coming and he knew that God was going to be glorified in this conversation. And he wanted to do what he could to, to discourage my heart. And he tried his best, yep. but God is greater. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, let's dive in. Your ministry, your ministry is called the Heart of Hospitality. So tell us about the name and the focus of the ministry. I believe that hospitality is so much more than what initially comes to a woman's mind anyway when we think of hospitality. We think Martha Stewart, we think gourmet meal and clean house and all of those things. And um, 
as I was thinking about what God had for me and my ministry, he said, hospitality is touching the heart of someone else with a piece of your own. And that's so much better and easier. <laughs> I mean, you could do that in the midst of a dirty house. You can do that at a coffee shop. You can show hospitality to your waiter or waitress in a restaurant or to the cashier at Walmart through a mask, even be hospitable. You can touch that person's heart and the piece of your own that you're sharing is the love of Jesus. And so I'm reminded when Paul's talking about in the new Testament, the, um, job descriptions for elders and deacons hospitality is one of those job descriptions and now i know <laughs> that he didn't mean gourmet meals and clean houses he wanted men that knew how to share the love of christ with others and so that's why i believe hospitality is just simply touching the heart of someone else with a piece of our own well i love that because normally when we think of hospitality we're always coming up short because oh this person has all this um, stuff in the bathroom, the basket with everything you could possibly have forgotten, or they have chocolate on the pillow, or, and, and it just like, it's this, I, don't, I wouldn't call it competitive, but it just, it's this perfection thing that is just discouraging because, you know, we look at ourselves and go, I can't measure up. Yeah, when, well, there's, that's the difference between being a hostess and being hospitable. You don't always have to be a hostess to be hospitable. Right, see, I love that, I love that. So tell us about your book and how it is uniquely formatted. So my book is called Priceless, but the subtitle is, it's a devotional cookbook based on Proverbs 31. And um, women who, I, I've, <laughs> I'm 48 years old. I can't believe I just told my age on air. But anyway, I'm not ashamed of it. I have lots of experience. I've raised children. I've worked inside the home. I've worked outside the home. And we wear many hats. And a lot of women look at Proverbs 31 and we are um, overwhelmed. We feel like we fall short. We feel inadequate. But my goal in this book is for women to read this and find the priceless woman inside of them because we are priceless and we are um honored by god based on what we do and what we're called to do and so the first few verses of proverbs 31 the first nine verses is a poem taught to a king um that tells him how to be a godly king it's all about motherly advice on how to be a godly king and so the first week of devotions are about motherly advice and how we got good advice from our mothers and how to give good advice to our children and then every day that week, there is a full menu of meals that moms can teach their children to cook. Mm. And then the next few verses are the rest of that chapter actually is another poem taught to the king about a godly woman. And so the first few verses of that poem are about husband and wife. And so that whole week are devotions about being a godly wife or a godly companion or friend. So you don't have to be married to get this book. Um, it is definitely for any woman out there who wants to find the priceless jewel that's inside of them. But the menus that week are meals for two or date night meals. And so each week is a different type of hat or a different type of um, situation that women find themselves in. There's a 
whole week on quick, easy, get in and out of the kitchen, quick type meals for the busy, tired mom. There's a whole week for family night, meals you can eat on a paper plate while you're have playing games or watching movies or whatever. So um, it was really fun to put together and um, having a full menu in front of you instead of going, well, what goes with this main dish or what side goes with this or what dessert should I choose? It's all right there on one piece of paper for you to, to read. So you can keep the book by your quiet time spot or you can keep it in your kitchen or you can run it back and forth and just wear it out. <laughs> ah, I love it. So, so where did you get the idea for a book like this for Priceless? Well, it started a little over a decade ago. I was just teaching it in Sunday school. Somebody had said, I want to study Proverbs 31. So we started going through it and I had come up with questions. And as busy moms, we know we walk out of church sometimes with our kids and our Bible and everything in tow and we forget what we learned. <laughs> and so as we were studying Proverbs 31, I wanted to put something in the hands of each one of the participants in my class. And so I wrote a little devotional that I wanted them to do sometime that week. And then I put a, a recipe on the backside of that devotional, something for them to try that week. So they would have something tangible to carry with them that covered what we had talked about in Sunday school. And as I finished it, finished the study, I was like, oh, this might be an interesting book. And I, of course, Beth Moore and Priscilla Shire and all those other, um, Bible study writers and authors. I was like, well, you have to have a book and I have to have a separate Bible study so that we could have them hand in hand. And, and God was like, no, I remember right where I was when he gave me the format and he told me it's all one book and it's already written. And so then I sat down and started putting it together and we have it together. Wow. So tell us a little bit about your call into ministry. I was called, I was in education for 21 years. It was my 21st year. I was a principal in Marshall, Texas. So shout out to all my Marshall friends. Um, and I had gone to, to a youth retreat expecting to pour into kids and uh, came away with a huge blessing. I knew that my time in Marshall was over. I knew that it, I was going to finish out the school year, but I knew that I was going to need something else. And so going into that weekend, my prayer was, okay, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Just replace my salary. Just, you know, if, if you want me to stay in Marshall, then you're going to have to do some healing and do some work and I'll stay in Marshall. If you want me to go to Mount Pleasant, if you want me to stay local, whatever, then just replace my salary. And we went through the whole weekend with me just praying and asking and seeking God and um, we were packing up to leave and I was sitting by the remnants of the fire from the night before and I turned to look at the mountain and God said, almost audibly, I want you in full-time ministry. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. That does not replace my salary. <laughs> I was wondering how that was going to go. <laughs> yeah. um, my husband came over because he had finished loading the van and he said, are you okay? Are you crying? I was like, I think God's calling me into ministry. And he said, it's about time. And I said, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? He said, we will live on ramen noodles if we have to, but we're going to do what God's called us to do. So I turned in my resignation that um, spring and um, started, fin started finishing my book, <laughs> getting it ready for publication and um, doing little jobs here and there and just waiting on the Lord. And he's been so faithful to pull it all together. I knew it was going to involve writing and speaking and cooking, but I had no idea <laughs> how all that was going to come together. And then he just made it happen. Wow. 
So let me ask you this, do you have plans for another book? Well, I have a couple of ideas, but um, the idea that goes along with this same format is called Taste and See. And God has just been pouring into me the importance of people understanding that in order to know that something is good, you got to taste it. Whether it's dessert or a filet mignon, you don't know if it's good until you put it in your mouth. I can tell you all about this wonderful food, but until you taste it for yourself, you just don't know. And so we have to taste and see that God's word is good. We have to taste and see that being in his presence is good and being with gospel community is good until you actually experience those things you don't know for yourself. And so um, I think it's going to be based on the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus fed his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, how he fed his disciples, and then how he fed the multitudes. And so recipes are going to kind of go with that theme, I believe, anyway. I love that idea. In fact, this morning I was the Lord was talking to me about taste and see. So I, uh, and confirmation. Was, Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was exactly what you're saying. You know, we have to taste and see that he's good. He's faithful. He's, you know, compassionate. He's, you know, righteous. And, and so, yeah. That well, is, one of the main things that comes with that, that he taught me, and I wasn't going to share it, but Holy Spirit said, go ahead. And that is in order to truly taste and see that he is good, we have to cleanse our palate from the things of this world first. Ooh. Because, yep. you know, when you go to a fancy meal and they bring out that tiny bit of sorbet to cleanse your palate, that's so you can better taste the next course. Well, God's got great things for all of us, but if we don't cleanse our taste buds <laughs> for the things of this world, then we're not going to fully enjoy all that God has for us. Good. That is a good word. Well, and that sounds like a book. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. So what encouragement do you have for others who might be thinking about maybe writing and publishing their work? Well, I've actually had a couple of people ask me, it's like, I heard you wrote a book and I heard you got it published. What do I do? And, um, I, they're thinking about writing a book or they've started and don't know where to go. And my main encouragement is don't let the fear of not knowing the, the next step keep you from taking the first one. Because I remember as I was working, my book sat on the shelf for months at a time because I didn't know what I was going to do when I finished it. And the not knowing what to do kept me <laughs> from finishing it. So if God's called you to write, then write. And then if he calls you to publish, then he'll lead you to publish. But obey where he, what he wants you to do today, and then he'll take care of what to do with it tomorrow. Amen. That is so true because it's so easy to do. Because the enemy is going to be at work. If he's given you something to say, the enemy is going to definitely try to distract you, to discourage you, to make you who do you think you are, you know, all those things that, you know, fear of not knowing the next step does, it just sidelines you. It does. So, good word. So what do you like to share with women when you speak at events? My tagline for the heart of hospitality is connecting women by connecting hearts. And so when I speak to women, 
I have a message, whatever God lays on my heart or the theme that the event coordinator wants to put together. But my main goal is to have women of all ages, all ethnicities, all denominations, <laughs> all backgrounds to come together and share what God's doing in their life. And so if there's a break, then I'll give you homework during that break. I want you to connect with somebody that you wouldn't normally connect with or when it's over. And because we don't want to walk away from an event saying, oh, that was a great event that I went to one time. No, this was a great encounter with the Lord that I made new friends and then it carries over to the appointment that I'm going to assign you to make to have coffee or tea and touch the heart of someone else while you're sharing what God's doing in your life since that event. And so um, my main thing is helping women understand their calling and that their ministry inside their home is not about a chore list. It's not about checking off the task list, but their call to be a wife and a mom and to care for their home is truly their ministry. And um, that comes with all kinds of topics for us to talk about from freedom to finding balance to um, dealing with brokenness. And so um, I want people to not just walk away from my talk going, Oh, that was a great event, but this is how I encountered the Lord in that event. And I, I teach with um, lots of analogies and word pictures and object lessons, because that's what makes us stick in our brain. Yep. Amen. Amen. So you love the kitchen. So what tips do you have for those who may not be as enthusiastic about meal prep? <laughs> Well, the kitchen is my happy place. That's where I go. That's where I can get stuff done. That's where I get the most gratification because my family enjoys the meals that I make. And so um, I would say to people who struggle with this is to make a plan and stick to that plan. Now, I had come to a place where I was planning a month at a time <laughs> because I only got paid once a month. And if I didn't make a plan and buy the groceries, we might not eat at the end of the month. So um, do it for a week at a time and do something simple. And you don't have to stick to this unless you're OCD or struggling <laughs> and you've got to uh, have the plan in place and stick to it. But what I did was I would say Monday nights might be chicken night. Tuesday nights might be a ground meat night. Wednesday night might be a breakfast night. Thursday, a seafood night. Friday, a family favorite of some kind. So choose your protein and then pick your meals around that. Now you might not be in the mood for chicken on Monday, but that's okay. You have that meal ready for the night that you do remember to take it out of the freezer in time. Right. Um, make your plan and schedule for seven nights. And then at the end of that week, inevitably there was a night you didn't cook or you had leftovers or you, your husband took you out to eat <laughs> or whatever. Um, so the following week you make a list of everything that's in your freezer and you plan your next week's meals based on what you already have and then fill in the gaps with your grocery list. And so it helps honestly saves lots of time and money in the long run if you plan ahead. Otherwise you go to the store, what am I going to eat for supper? And then you get, Oh, I might have this and I might have that. And you might have this and you get home and you still don't know what you're going to have for supper. So have it on the calendar. And I'll tell you another tip is um, 
when I was driving back from Marshall every week and the family would call and say, what are we having for supper? I'm like, look at the calendar. <laughs> you can get it out and get it started before I get home. So you already have a plan. You already had the ingredients and invite your family to come in and help and ask for their input because they have their favorites. If my daughter's coming home, we're having chicken wings. If my other daughter's coming home, we're having shrimp tacos automatically on the calendar and ready to go. Nice, nice. So what is your family's favorite meal? I would have to say probably chicken supreme. And that is simply, um, it's a, not really a grilled, I call it 227 chicken. You season your chicken the way you want it, and then you have your skillet super hot. You put it in for two minutes on one side, two minutes on the other side, and then you pop it in the oven for seven to 10 minutes to finish it off. And then while that's cooking, I fry a little bacon and then saute some bell pepper and onions, mushrooms, whatever my family likes. I pull the chicken out, put that on top, melt cheese on top, serve it with some angel hair pasta and sweet green beans. Can't go wrong. Now you're making the cookbook. I should have brought my, I should have had one handy. I could tell you the page number, but it's in the cookbook. It's one of our favorites. All right. That's a special occasion meal. <laughs> So why do you feel that the kitchen is such an important part of a woman's calling to care for her family? Well, if you've ever heard the saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> <laughs> Women are the thermostats for their home. And if you can enjoy what you're doing in the kitchen, by the time you make it to the table, then it's truly a blessed experience all around. It's also a place where you can invite your children in. Your daughters are going to be future homemakers. <laughs> your sons are going to be future husbands. And what a blessing it is to have a man who knows how to cook and who will do it and who enjoys it and who's good at it. So bring them in, teach them how, turn it over to them when they're ready and let share that ministry says it's not your own you don't have to do it by yourself so share that ministry with your family and then it just carries over to the table i love that so okay so wrapping up in closing i would just love to hear a couple of tips or tools that you might have for those who are listening who just really you know it's hard sometimes to remember that God is really, he really is working all things together for good. It's just so easy to forget that. Mm -hmm. So just some tips or tools that will help them, um, you know, look at it a different way or have a different perspective on how God really is doing that even when we can't see it. Um, I would say keep the word in front of you at all times. Now you can't walk around with your Bible, but write Romans 8.28 out and put it on a sticky note on your bathroom mirror, in your kitchen cabinet, or whatever cabinet you open the most, <laughs> put it inside that cabinet to remind yourself that he is working and he's working on your behalf. And he wants you to um, be blessed and to find, your, find what you do to be a blessing whether it's scrubbing the toilet, <laughs> folding the clothes, or washing dishes, or cooking your family's favorite meal, or putting cereal on the table every now and then, that's okay. Give yourself some grace. That's another tip. Just, you know, if the house isn't immaculate when you go to bed, that's okay. And you have to take a deep breath and know that you've done 
all that you can do in a day to bless your family and to um, rely on his strength. That's the, the third one, I guess, is to not do it on your own. And you have to rely on him because it's not a ministry if you're doing it in your own strength. It's in God's strength that it becomes a ministry because he becomes your partner and he does it with you and he does it through you and for you as you bless your family. And then that enables you and your family to go out beyond the walls of your home and be a blessing in your church, in your schools, in your workplaces, in your community. And, um, and it all stems from what you do together as a family. And most of the time that, in, that happens in the kitchen and the dining room table, maybe in the living room sometimes too, if you can make everybody sit down in one place together, but everybody's going to come to the table and eat. Yep. So use that time wisely and ask at the table, how's God blessed you today? That's a great uh, sentence, question starter, conversation starter. And it helps you to see how God's worked it all together, all things together for good. Amen. Okay, so Vicki, if we have some women listening today that would love to connect with you either on social media or online, where, what's the best place to find you? The best place to find me is on my website, um, Vicki, V-I-C-K-I-E, Burns, B-U-R-N-S, .org, VickiBurns.org. You can find me on my website, go to my contact page, schedule an event that way. You can also email me at info at vickyburns.org if you want to just send me an email for questions. I'm on Facebook as well. So I've got lots of ways that you can reach out to me. I would love to visit with, with anyone who needs prayer, anyone who needs encouragement and tips in your home, or anyone who wants to plan an event for their church. I can all over the country. I'm ready to pack up and come see you. Amen. Well, thank you so much. It has been a joy to see your face today. And it's good to see you again, too. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful. Or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as, you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today, and I'll see you next week.